0: My name is Matthew Barton, and I'm the host of the Rebellion Brewing Podcast. If you've ever turned into local radio, today's guest is a familiar voice you'll hear delivering the daily news, weather, and sports. Peter Mills covers everything from the Riders, to beer, and back again. And today we're going to be doing a little mini beer tasting, a summer-themed beer tasting, trying a bunch of beers Well, we talk about Peter's craft beer journey. So let's get into it. Peter, welcome to the show. It's
1: great to be here. Thank you very much for that intro. I've been talking a lot more beer these days than than Riders because there's no football, but there's still beer. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was about to say, what what do you do for a football podcast when there's no games?
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I launched the Meet the Riders podcast last year. It's something that i would kind of been building towards. I really wanted to do more of a personal storytelling for for sports because you don't get that, right? Like Sometimes I feel like I ask stupid questions, but they get the best answers, right? Like, what's your favorite hot dog? You know, just all sorts of stuff like that. But then, of course, bad timing. I had one full season of it last year. Um, One of the interviews ended up getting nominated for an award too. And then this year, I don't have any writers to uh, talk to. Of course, I could have done you know some off-season pandemic stuff and I'm still thinking about doing a couple specials just for the pandemic but I mean with the season still we don't know if they're gonna be playing football or not Uh, I've just kind of been in a wait and see mode as well but yeah I I really picked a bad year last year to launch it and get all excited for season two this year because it hasn't happened
0: well let's get you really excited about beer okay (laughs) what are you into right now for beer
1: You know, I've been thinking about this before I even came in because I'm probably the worst guest you're going to have. And I I don't want to offend any of your listeners because I'm not a big beer connoisseur at all. I've been surrounded my whole, like, let's say the last 10 years by people that really are big beer fans. So that's when I get the most into it. When I go I mean again we haven 't been able to do a lot of this in the past five months or so is go out to local breweries and and try different beers just because of the pandemic. obviously you could buy them and take them home but i 'm more the guy that likes to go to a pile of bones or rebellion and just go down the menu right and just try different things i don 't like some of it right, but it 's just fun to try new beers and yeah, like my a guy shout out to Giles on my soccer team he 's a huge Beer fan, and he's always telling me, Oh, you got to try this one, and like, Oh, they got this brand new special edition coming out. But yeah, I'm a pretty bad beer drinker. I'm a big, like, and again, I don't want to offend anybody, but like, I'm my go to is Great West. I went I, I, growing up, I was never. Um, when I got to legal drinking age, I was never a big beer fan. Like I, I thought, like, okay, yeah, like I'm going to buy my first case of beer, and I just didn't really like it, to be perfectly honest. I'm sure probably because I was buying Kokanee and Canadian and stuff at the time, right? I see your face switching, which is true, but I didn't like it, right? I didn't understand why. And then the first beer that I actually really enjoyed was when Great Western came out with the Pilsner. It was the first beer I tasted. I was like, oh, I really like this. So I've kind of stuck in that realm for most of my life. Uh, I drink Pilsners at Ryder games. I apologize again, (laughs) even though, to be fair, the person who sits beside me gets the Rebellion lentil ale. So uh, at least one of us representing. But yeah, I'm a pretty basic guy in that regard. But um, when Rebellion came out with these uh, special, uh, the special was a summer or spring variety. I got the uh, blood orange ginger ale which was fantastic, right? And so it was cool to try stuff like that. And yeah, I'm a little more adventurous when I go to a place, but a little less
0: at home, especially during a pandemic. I'm going to stop you right there because you don't have to apologize for where you are on what you like for beer. Uh, I'm a beer snob, but I don't (laughs) want people to feel bad because we're all walking or running the same race, but we all have different palates. And you don't have to apologize for it. We all started somewhere. I started drinking Molson Canadian and Coors, stuff like that, because that's what my parents drank. Right. But then I realized over time, I'd rather just have a Coca-Cola because I didn't really appreciate it. I didn't understand it. And it wasn't until eight or nine years later that I was like, oh, I don't, I don't hate beer. I just don't like these particular beers. Yeah. And then I started to realize there's a whole world of styles That I can get into that I'm super excited about. And I'm hoping that with this tasting, we can take your innate love of just (laughs) going down the list and build that up. You've already got the right attitude. You're willing to try everything Mm -hmm. and you acknowledge, I don't like everything, but you don't have to. And I want to give you permission to not like something.
1: Okay, I, I I'm looking at the beers that you have in front of me though. They look like beers that I would like, and um, I'm glad you said that because well, maybe it's the journalist in me that I always find the beers I like the most are the ones I get the backstory on. Right when I hear how they're made or what ingredients are in it and or what's the origin, like what what's an IPA, what's a, what's an, a, a classic Pilsner, an actual Pilsner, right? Like when I hear the story behind it. It gets me more excited, and I think I like the taste as a result, right? It, it's, it's interesting that way. Um, when, when, when you have somebody who's passionate about it, like you are, right, it gets me more into it. And I used to always say that I was more of an adventurous beer drinker in the winter. I don't know why, because maybe... Because I'm not a huge, heavy beer guy, but in the winter, it's cold out. You need something to warm your soul a little bit, right? So I would try some of the heavier beers, and I'd like them. You know, I don't have one or two um, of each kind, but uh, I found also... Now in summer, I mean, all these beers, again, that I'm looking at, they look like crisp, good summer beers. And there's nothing like trying, you know, a a nice, cool, sour or something like that
0: on a hot summer patio. I love that. We talk about that a lot. I'm glad that you brought it up because when we look at what's happening with the temperature, we are definitely thinking a year ahead, six months ahead to say it's going to be plus 30. We need this style of beer. It's going to be. You know, we're already planning our Christmas stuff three months ago. During the middle of the pandemic, we weren't saying we're humped. We're saying we need to plan for six months from now because we don't have time to catch our breath. And in summer, you're right. People want sours because it's thirst quenching. Mm -hmm. What it's doing in your mouth, it's taking away that thirst. The one idea I want you to come away with that I have been kind of chewing on is the concept of Satiation. When you eat or consume or drink something, does it sate you or do you want to take another crunch, mm. another bite, another sip? I think that this is a little conspiracy theory of mine. Beer, mass produced beer, is designed to get you to take another sip. Mm. You're never satiated. You never get your thirst quenched just quite enough. It's a great point. Because it's profitable. Whereas if you're a craft producer, if you are caring about the flavor and the experience, you want people to reach satiation. Think of it locally. You go to Bernard Calbeau. Mm-hmm. Those guys, you pay 20 bucks for a little itty bitty piece of chocolate. Right. Frick, I could go buy a huge bag of M&M's. Sure. <laughs> satiation. You have that bite. It's an experience. It melts in your mouth. You're like, mmm but I'm done. I don't want more. I think about that when it comes to beer tastings too. Would I want two in a row? Maybe that's an extra star on my five star ratings. Right. If I wouldn't have more than one in a row, is it because I'm satiated or is it because it's awful?
1: (laughs) It's a great point. And I I never really thought about it like that. And and that's something that I've been thinking about with food a lot more. Maybe because in the pandemic I'm I'm cooking a lot more too, but uh, I find that just with cooking. Like, I mean, you, you apply the same thing to McDonald's and a fine restaurant that uses, you know, local ingredients and cooks them well, right? You, you're full after as you, you get three ravioli on a plate and you're full. Why? Exactly what you just said. <laughs> like, the flavor. Yeah.
0: The, the texture, the experience. I go to Alina's Takeaway Gourmet, right? And you putting, you're putting down some heavy bucks on the table for little portions. Right. But then you add in the beer and the wine and the crackers and, and the grapes and the cheese and the raisins, all the other, other fixings. And I've realized that I'm like full to bursting and right. I've only had like right. six bites. That's right. <laughs> and I, I, I circle back to beer. And I'm like, how do we drink? Most people, it's unconscious. When you come to this podcast, I want you to be a little bit more conscious of the choice you've made. I will be. Let's see. I got
1: an open mind. Okay. Uh, The one thing I'm worried about too, though, is do I have the taste buds for it? Right? Am I going to be able to identify some of the things that that you obviously, well, you know what's in everything, but am I going to be able to, you know, taste those notes?
0: Everybody can learn. Mm -hmm. Do you smoke? I do. You do? So I've noticed that smokers tend to go for bigger, bolder, hoppier IPAs, more aggressive beers because the perception of their palate is different than say somebody who only eats vegetarian. Right. The, the salt and the amount of fat you consume, and I'm going on a big lecture here <laughs> about fast food. This is my, fi- fast food's my vice. Yeah. Like you think beer is my vice? No, fast food is my vice. But my wife cleaned up my diet and I realized I could taste different things. Same thing with, you can learn, you can develop those skills and that vocabulary. No one cannot taste something like You'll get there eventually. And that's the nice thing about tastings side by side is the light bulb will start going off. I promise you. (laughs) Like Mark Heisey, the brewmaster of Rebellion, CEO, like he was the brewmaster, now he's CEO, president of Rebellion, co-founder, right? Mm -hmm. He led me through a stout tasting. We did like eight different stouts in a row and it blew my mind. It changed my world. It's like he dragged me out of Plato's cave And I'd only been looking at shadows of beer and I, he dragged me into the sunlight (laughs) and I was like, oh, that's what a stout could be. Okay. Should be, you know. (laughs) You ready for the first one? I am. This is by a brewery introduced to me just this morning, brand new brewery in Alberta called Spectrum. My buddy Dale brings me a whole bunch of beers. He's like very mysterious about it. He's like, I got a present for you. And he's kind of creeping me out. I'm like, what do you mean? Like explain. He's like, no time to explain. Just come to the brewery. And he's like, here you go. And then he takes off. (laughs) (laughs) And he's, he says this beer is great. So let's give it a taste. This is Pebble Beach Kolsch. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Smooth. Has a really classic Kolsch aroma. Um, A little bit of, uh, not floral, but fruity maybe. Yeah,
1: a little bit. Yeah, a little fruity. Yeah, see I don't know that's another thing. Like I don't know much about Kolsch and I feel like any Kolsch I've had I didn't typically like, but that tasted so much different
0: than what I remember a Kolsch tasting like. Was it in a, green, in a good way? In a green glass bottle, perhaps? Well that
1: I've had that Kolsch, It's been years, but I've had that one, yeah. Which so I, I did w- not enjoy <laughs> beautiful bottle, but did not enjoy that beer.
0: If somebody's serving you beer in green glass, they are not your friend. Do not buy beer served in a green glass. I got
1: to say one thing though, I'm a huge Carlsberg fan, so (laughs) I I will defend Carlsberg, but only because I'm also a big soccer fan and a Liverpool fan. I'll drink it it out of a can. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay. If if it's in a can, I'll give it a shot. Okay. But if it's in green glass, it's going to be light struck. Don't do it. So what I would say characterizes that Kolsch is that light, crisp character Mm. with that really easy finish. It has, it's not really heavy on the tongue and it doesn't linger. No. And No. This one doesn't have a lot of snap, which is kind of nice to have when yeah. you're with a call shop. I still, I like this.
1: I like it too. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have come up with that as well as either. Like it, That's a snap. I do think I like a little bit of a snap, but uh, that's one that I could, yeah, I would love to drink on a patio. Hot
0: summer day Hot kind of Hot summer beer. day. That's perfect. Yeah.
1: And, and I do want another sip of it. Do you want beer? Let's. Well, no, we don't have to. (laughs) But I'm just saying. We'll get into it. Yeah, that's right. I'll have to tell Dale that you liked it. that's right.
0: (laughs) I would say this is the kind of beer you'd have with like nacho chips or uh, salty food. Like,
1: well, that's another thing I hate when I'm eating and it's already a heavy meal. I don't want a heavy beer to go with it, right? You're right. That's that's perfect for for something salty, right? Because it kind of balances it out a little bit.
0: French fries. Brats, hot dogs.
1: That's what I would We should have be barbecuing that. right now while we're doing this too. It's
0: so my plans tonight. I'm firing up the grill, man. The forecast says no rain.
1: I checked actually before I came. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when we talk about beer, we just had this very first one. What is your perception of the local craft beer scene?
1: Wow. Well, has it ever changed? Um, Quickly, and I think part of me knows that to be true because of my work at CBC. And I think back to Mark Heisey, kind of blew my mind, actually, to just where the local beer scene was going. The first time I met him and the first time I interviewed him, I went to his house, and he was making home brews in his basement. And just like hearing him talk about all the different varieties and just he gave me one of his uh, sours. I think it was like a cherry sour or something like that. And I remember him saying he didn't know the percentage of it. He's like, yeah, it's somewhere between 15 and 20% or something like that, right? And it was just so interesting to hear him talk about it. And it was a beer that, like, I thoroughly enjoyed, but I probably drank it over an hour, right? Like, I was really, it was like something real special, right? I didn't want to, to crush it to finish it too quickly, and, and I really savored it. Um, but that really, I feel like, was the turning point for maybe me just recognizing that the beer scene was about to explode here. Um, I remember the time too, he told me just about all the difficulties with regulations and things and, and starting it up. And then now you look and it's like, I could name 10 off the top of my head, just in Saskatchewan. I don't know where, where we are per capita, but it seems like we're pretty doing pretty well here for breweries. So, you know, it took me, I live a couple blocks from Bones. And, you know, not being a huge craft beer guy. I'm just putting in quotations, right? Like, just like, not something like, I I go to my, you know, to go to Leo's or whatever, you know, pretty consistently. Um, But then it's like, we got to go to Palo Bones. Like, it's so close to our house. After we went the first time, it's like we were going regularly, right? And, you know, coming to Rebellion regularly and just popping in. It's been so cool to see the growth here. There's still so many that I haven't been to. Um, I've been to Malti, I've been to Rebellion, I've been to obviously Pile of Bones, um, and that's just Regina. I mean, Saskatoon, right? I, that's where I grew up, and I would love to try all the places they have there. And, but it's it's just so great to see the growth here. And the thing I also noticed is just how well everybody seems to get along. Maybe you know something that I don't behind the scenes that maybe you guys will hate each other, but it, it doesn't seem that way. And it seems like everybody supports each other. Um, the the fan base of this beer is so positive and just encouraging to keep businesses like this alive um, and just proud. I mean, people are proud of of the beer that they're producing. They love trying new products. It's, there's a trust level there, right? If you come up with a new beer that somebody might traditionally never want to try, they will try it because it's a Saskatch- made in Saskatchewan brewery. And I, I think it's just such an important industry right now our province and i hope it continues to grow i know there are i recently did an interview about this on some of the obstacles keeping you know some of the local breweries from from growing bigger but um it's great to see and and it's great to see like i said even though i'm a, a pilsner drinker at rider games it's great to see that you can get some local breweries at sporting events and things like that and that's what i'd like to see you know not uh, monopolies where Molson has the rights or even Great West has the rights to entire events, right? It's like give people the variety, like let them choose and let them support local and the artwork. I just love looking at your guys' cans. I mean, the artwork is incredible. I think that's a huge thing. The branding is super important, right? You, You can't just get every beer drinker because you created something new, something, you know, maybe wacky or something really enticing, like a classic beer, The artwork is incredible. Like it, it, I'm a, I'm a shopper who, you know, judges a book by its cover in a way a lot of times. Right. I'm attracted to, to good branding and good artwork. And I think most Saskatchewan breweries have done a good job of that. We
0: agonize over artwork. Yeah. (laughs) The artwork for the next beer we're going to drink is, well, the next beer is going to be Cerveza. This artwork, this tattoo of this skull is actually one of Mark's. Oh really? He had it on his arm. This sugar skull tattoo with the, you'll see the, the wheat and the hops are integrated in with the Saskatchewan prairie lily. He wanted it to have brewing references, Mexican references, Saskatchewan roots. He said, check out my new tattoo. And one of the other owners went, we have to put that on a can. He's like, I don't care what the beer is. <laughs> we, we have to do it. And that's part of how we came to build this art for the can. It's cool. Yeah. Just looking at it, I wouldn't
1: have noticed all the details at first, but you see the hops, you see the wheat. Uh, yeah. That's pretty cool.
0: The one thing that came later that influenced his tattoo was the pink flare behind the skull. Okay. We had to do that on the can to make it kind of pop a bit mm, more because yeah. it was a little too flat. Yeah. He went back to the tattoo artist and had them add Really? That wow. That pink <laughs> into his tattoo after the fact. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so let's give her a sip. All right. Cheers. Cheers. So when you're looking for aroma, I don't know if you can smell it. It's not a very aggressive present Ooh, yeah. aroma, but.
1: What is a cerveza <laughs> traditionally? What's a classic cerveza?
0: Cerveza is Mexican, uh, Spanish for beer. For beer, right. It's a Mexican right, style. Sure. This was our take on Corona. Okay. So what we saw in the marketplace was a real thirst and desire for a light corn style drinking Mexican Corona beer. And we wanted to offer it to people to say, you can still be cool. You can still be the, one of the cool craft beer kids and enjoy something that's more authentic. There's no corn syrup in this. There's no artificial flavors or adjuncts to get you to that place. It's actual lime we put in this. You like don't is, have yeah. to shove a lime into your right. <laughs> glass. It's already in. And there's salt. Salt.
1: You know, it's funny. I see, and I, I wouldn't be able to pick that up just on my own, but as soon as you say salt, I could taste the salt, right? Like literally it was just tasting that lime and salt. That's great. And you know what? I'm not just saying that because I'm in your presence and in Rebellion's office, but, uh, it's 10 times better than Corona. I haven't had a Corona in over a decade, probably not a fan. <laughs> Hopefully they don't come at me with Corona, but, uh, yeah, just it's not my thing.
0: Well, again, I come back to, it's in a clear glass. If you're going to be serving beer, in a clear glass or green glass, it's going to get light struck and skunked. It's going to damage the beer and you're not tasting what the brewer intended. So if somebody's serving you that kind of product in that way, it's not about the beer. It's about marketing. And while I am part of marketing at rebellion, we want to be authentic and we want to deliver you a real experience without artificial crap getting in the way.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's really good. You know, I never thought I would say that salt in a beer would be a good quality, but it is. Because it's not, for people obviously who aren't tasting it right now, it's not salty, but you can taste the salt, right? And this comes back to me cooking more, and I realize how bland all my food is because I haven't been salting. Kosher salt has been a revelation in my life, right? Where you just changing to a quality salt and adding just, just enough totally changes your food, right? Again, it's not salty, it's bringing out the flavor. And that's what I taste here. Yeah.
0: That's what salt and sugar do. Yeah. They play off each other. And when you put it into a beer, it's not unusual for different styles to have it. It's going to add a little bit of, at the end, a little click, you know, your tongue's going to kind of have that notion to pull back a bit. Ooh. And because it has corn, it has all grain corn, not corn syrup, that lends a sweetness to it. And sweetness can be cloying and if it's too sweet you don't want to drink it anymore it gets tacky you can roll your tongue in your mouth that salt creates a balanced experience and mark talks about that a lot balance you can create the hoppiest most bitter acrid ipa that melts your face (laughs) sure no balance you don't want to drink too. no cerveza the intention was You can drink too and be happy and not feel sick or or sugar sweetened or too salted out. You just want to be like, ah, that was a great summer beer. I'm glad you brought
1: up the idea of, well, just, I mean, another revelation just in everything we eat and drink is corn syrup, right? Like, it's nice to hear you talk about that because it's, I mean, that's something I only realized as an adult, right? It's just how much corn syrup is in everything and it's... Almost frustrating when you really start to look into it.
0: (laughs) If you're eating a processed food, even if it's not sweet, it's probably cut with high fructose corn syrup. And I don't want to knock the farmers. No, no, not at all. I like corn on the cob. But artificial sweetened foods that are processed, they're just throwing in a bunch of sugar because that's what our reptilian brain is addicted to. You know, like fat, sweet salt, like umami, that kind of thing. We're addicted to sugar. Why put more out there when you don't have to? And maybe that is, I mean,
1: that's one of the reasons why, too, I think maybe I'm growing to appreciate craft beer a lot more than I used to because it is alarming. It comes back to the very first time I think I tried natural peanut butter and I was like, what is this? Like, I don't know if I like it. It tasted so different, right? Because it's not jacked full of salt and it's not jacked full of sugar. Right. And now it's, I wouldn't, I can't go back to regular peanut butter. I have to drink natural peanut butter. And I think that's the case with a lot of beers, too, is it doesn't have those ingredients that you're essentially addicted to and you're used to eating and drinking and everything. My my brother in
0: law, he almost exclusively drinks something that rhymes with Elmer Fudd. <laughs> and I cannot convince him to switch. No, no amount of arm twisting or free beer could convince him. And he offers me one. And I'm just polite, I have it. And it's sugary sweet, like soda pop. You don't notice until you change though, right? Yeah. I I can't finish it. It's it's too sweet for me, which is I like sweet things. I like iced tea. I can't and I can't have a sweet beer anymore. Yeah. Because rebellion has changed the way I look at beer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I watch a lot of YouTube videos too of like, you know, Irish people trying American foods or Australians and every single country that does videos like that every single one says about North American food and drinks is it's so sugary. And I would never have n- never noticed that, right? With the things that they're talking about. Like it would just be normal to me, but it says a lot when you're hearing that from everybody else around the world that their palates are different than ours are. And for a good reason, because our stuff is made with a lot of different ingredients. And yeah, that's why I think it, it does take time, right? I don't think you can just one day, you know, try something completely different with all natural ingredients and say, oh, I love that. Right, like it. It does take time.
0: That's what kind of prompts me to lead you into cucumber. This cucumber jasmine beer, actual authentic cucumber puree. There's no cool. flavors. There's no additives. Jasmine tea is in the finish to give it a dry character. Give her a shot.
1: I will clarify one thing. I'm excited because cucumber seems refreshing right now. I'm not a jasmine fan, so I'm interested to see how this is gonna go. Cheers. Smells good, though. Really good. This is definitely the most aromatic out of all of them so far.
0: Yeah. If you were to, say, put my face in a tomato plant oh, in wow. a garden. You taste a or... cucumber.
1: Right. Wow. That's great. Yeah. See, and I, I don't really taste the jasmine as much. I don't know. Well, now I'm getting it a little bit more That it sits. Yeah.
0: It's in the finish.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the cucumber makes me like it more. If it was too heavy in the jasmine, I wouldn't
0: like it as much. The point was the cucumber. The jasmine was just to provide that balance similar to the salt.
1: I think the fact that you told me too, that you use actual crushed, grinded up cucumber kind of put a good visual in my head and I could taste it now more because of that. Like a question for you. I mean, because of course I'm, I'm always uncomfortable being on the other side of the mic as the guest. I gotta <laughs> ask you a question. Um, like it, it seems so simple to just use real ingredients. But at the same time, like, why doesn't everybody do that then? Like, is it a harder process to
0: use just actual cucumbers than, you know, a cucumber flavoring? It's much less predictable. Yeah. When you're dealing with raw fruit, you're dealing with the bacteria that could be on the skin in the fruit. You might have the sugar or contents of the fruit or the vegetables affect how the brew process works. If you're working with extracts. The math is much simpler, especially when you're converting a recipe. Zal was explaining how they sour beers and he was saying it's, it's not logarithmic, but you can only make a beer so, so sour and then you have to double the ingredients to make it one step further on the, on the pH scale. He's like, we can easily get it to two, but he's like to get to three, he's like, you got to use twice as many ingredients. Extracts make that more predictable. It's also a shortcut and it's easy, so it's cheaper. Right. If you're in the business of making pennies per glass versus nickels per glass, your margins are that much tighter and you try to save wherever you can. For us, our big breakthrough, our big achievement was going from sacks of barley, the grain silo on the side of the brewery was the game changer. Yeah. Having that grain settlement, we could have truckloads of grain pull up and fill it once versus having eight to nine truckloads. If you're paying $1,000 per delivery, that adds up. Yeah, One truck coming once for a big silo saves us magnitudes and allows us to be that much more nimble. So if you're... A mega brewer producing millions of liters versus the tens of thousands that we're doing, you're looking for any efficiency you can get. Who's grinding out the cucumber? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. When we did the test batches, it was our poor brewers by hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Chopping and smashing. Um, it comes in these big drums and they're pureed. And we basically pour the puree into our hot torpedo which we typically fill with hops, it's like a a big cylindrical vessel Mm -hmm. and the beer gets pumped through it on a cycle and there's a false bottom and a false top so it's like a filter and the liquid can pass through and not the solids. And after about 24 hours, 48 hours, it extracts all that wonderful flavor and character. There you go. That's cool.
1: Time is everything, right? To get flavor too. That's something I've learned more in the past couple years than ever before. Oh, that
0: well time to tell it, to explain it to you cerveza takes us about from start to finish 10 days cucumber jasmine you got to add on about a day or two if you're working with an IPA you got to add on like 3 or 4 days so if you imagine you're pr- you're trying to predict your timelines for managing your tanks you're going from 10 days to 14 days and you have all those variables in between of when can you package and did someone get sick and not show up for work or maybe our grain shipment was late or something wacky like that no. so the, our guys are geniuses they're madmen they figure it out i believe it yeah and they're juggling luckily this summer we've only run out of ipa like for a day and then they're, they're like chill out for a day we got it it's yeah. coming <laughs> but just give us one more day you know And um, it's just kind of the the realities of working with authentic ingredients. There's
1: some magic to that too. I think maybe that's a a big draw about the local beer scene too, though, is that you know that it is handmade and that, you know, something might happen where, yeah, sorry, we don't have it today, but we got it. It's on the schedule. It'll be ready tomorrow. Like there's something authentic to that and and homemade to it that I think you can appreciate, especially with limited edition beers too, right? Like there's a, there's a draw to that. You know, that a lot of love and a lot of heart and a lot of time and a lot of scheduling and a lot of patience went into this drink. Right. And I think there's something exciting about that. Whereas a beer, you know, a Molson, a Pilsner, you know, they're just pumping it out day after day, after day, after day, and it's not going to taste any different than it was did before.
0: (laughs) Consistency is king. Yeah. I don't want to say that these guys are anything less than for not doing it at our speed. Um, kudos and hats off to them for consistency. That's big. Um, we're just a different business. Yeah.
1: No, and like I said, I, I spend more money on those than I do on anybody else. But, uh, I mean, it's just the way the world is in general. I mean, you could apply that to anything, right?
0: We're catching up. Yeah. Um, the numbers in the study show that craft beer is growing. And I don't need to punch someone while they're down. They're much bigger than me. It's David versus Goliath. We tied their shoelaces together and they're, they're tipping over. <laughs> <laughs> You were saying you get to tell craft beer stories. You got to interview Mark. You probably got to do a bunch of others. Is there a craft beer story that kind of sticks out in your mind in the last five years?
1: Uh, I think what where breweries really come up the most just in our storytelling is it's usually involved with like charitable community involvement. Like, you know, it's it's hard to tell a story about a sponsor. I think you would know that very well. You're not going to do a story just because, you know. Rebellion donated X amount of money to charity, right? It's not necessarily a story. It's it's too promotional in a way, right? But you do tell the story of where that money's going. And so we did a lot of that. I mean, w- when the pandemic first hit, I was supposed to be covering the Juno Awards in Saskatoon, and I was all gung-ho, ready to go. I had so many stories, musical stories, and I had to throw them all out the window. And we we're all kind of sitting there with a blank slate, being like, what stories are we going to tell? There was a million of them, but which ones are we going to tell? And it was just kind of constant news coming in and one of the first ones i ended up uh, doing was um nine mile in saskatoon had created a special beer and a special bottle for the junos um that was going to be on all the tables at the gala and so they had all these special beers and they could have sold them and made a profit right they were limited edition special beers instead they decided to donate that money to the friendship inn because of course the friendship inn had closed for the first time and. 30 years or whatever, not allowing people coming in, maybe ever, I can't remember how long it had been, but um, they decided to sell all those beers and donate the money to the friendship, Inn, which is down the street. And so that's a good story, right? That's a story where you can talk about a little bit about the brewery, what made this beer special. And then also why they did this and, you know, then talk to the friendship Inn. So like those are the stories that I like the most is, and I think why people are passionate about their local brewery that they prefer, because they do give back to the community. They have a presence in the community Um, I think those are the best stories for sure.
0: We're trying, man. Yeah. We're trying. (laughs) That blood orange beer is coming back. Cool. We did two batches of it. Well, that was another thing, right? Was was
1: that for, there was, was some of that money going to charity or?
0: It's all everything. 100% of proceeds and profits are going to the YWCA Regina. There you go.
1: See, and that was enticing for me to try beers that I might not have tried
0: before. We haven't, uh, we haven't finished selling the second batch yet. It's going to launch probably about the same time this podcast airs in in like a week (laughs) or two. And basically the idea is we wanted to sell every single drop and give everything to the YWCA because we know that they're offering women's shelter services in the time of pandemic and it's expensive for them with the PPE and the rent and the disruptions to their ability to fundraise. So Vanessa Owen, our brewmaster, you know, she's a badass in her own right. She's like, I want to do this. And she makes the case to our team and it all just kind of made sense to us. And we're like, yeah, we have to do this. This is something we can do. Nobody will tell you, well, I will tell you that Paul, our sales guy, who you met before we started recording, he'll take the rebellion truck and go help move women who have fled their house into the new place. You know, he'll hump furniture up and down stairs and through doorways. He's like, I don't have a million bucks to give these like I can drive a truck and I can move furniture. That's cool. And if it makes their life that much easier, let's do it. And one of the other things we did was a uh, toiletry drive. So you could bring tampons and shampoo and soaps and stuff that was unopened and fresh still in the box, you know. And when you are deprived or kicked out of your home or you don't have those things, it doesn't sound like a lot. It's 10, 15 bucks in product. But it gives you a bit of humanity back to you, right, you know, dignity to just, here you go. You got this. Go wash your hair. You'll feel like a million bucks after, you know? And yeah. um, it's not, for us, it's not about selling a pint. That doesn't sell pints. No. It's how do we make our community better?
1: And it's noteworthy to say that those are the stories that nobody hears about. And maybe that's a good thing too. I mean, it's the stories that you guys just do.
0: Right. If I could pitch you any story from Rebellion, It would be, you have to tell Vanessa's story. She is a rock star. She kicks ass. She's this amazing leader in the community, not just at the brewery. She, She comes up with these great, amazing recipes. This cucumber jasmine beer, that's her baby. Cool. She went with Mark and them down to the States, and they were drinking cucumber beers. They're like, holy crap. But wait, I think we can do this better. Let's bring it back. Let's do it. And a year later... She came up with this. She did a couple of test batches, you know, dicing it up, stinking like cucumber for a couple of days, cause it's just. A How weird. could you
1: have cucumber after <laughs> that? Eh?
0: And she executes it. Yeah. Almost. It's flawlessly. really good.
1: Like I said, you know, and I'm not even a huge cucumber fan either too. I got sick once when I was a kid after eating cucumber and it took me a long time to try it again, but it, it actually, I mean, maybe it's just because my, my favorite one is the last one we tried, but, uh, It was, that was fantastic. And like I told you, it's like looking at the label, I'd say cucumber, Jasmine, eh, not really my thing. But once you try it, it's a lot different.
0: Have you tried Dandy's beer ice creams?
1: No, I haven't tried any of Dandy's ice cream, which is disappointing because, uh, shout out to Samantha Brace uh, at CBC, she was one of the first people to do a story on them. Um, And I've been wanting to try it since then. And I just never have gone around to it. I've heard it's fantastic. What's the beer ice cream?
0: It's our beer. They did a mango, Um, mango sour. Okay. Um, but they've also done other beers, other beer ice creams. And they've done whiskey ice creams with uh, Last Mountain Distillery. Oh, so good. Cool. I actually, um, I emailed them personally to say, I just had the whiskey sour ice cream. It could use a little more whiskey. And she's, she personally emailed me back and said, okay, I'll take, your, I'll take them into next time. More whiskey. You know? <laughs> I love Daniela's attitude. I love what they're doing. And that they wanted to collaborate with us felt really good. Man, she's got an amazing story. If you ever find out how she got, got to Canada, how she met her husband, all that we stuff. We did that story, yeah.
1: Did you? We did, uh, yeah. It was a great it. story. <laughs> and I still haven't gone though. Apologies, dandies. I'll get there eventually. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the pandemic didn't help things at all.
0: Let's get to our last beer, man.
1: This is the only one I've tried. This beforehand. is the only one you've tried before? And I've only had a sip. My uh, partner, shout out to her, Brittany. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she, she's a big fan of this one. And I, I had a sip of it and you know, you know what? I'm actually glad that we're trying it again now because the first time I tried it, it was, I was actually drinking the blood orange ginger and they like, oh, try this. And it, it, it did. I was like, I can't. Like it's too, it was just too weird of a combination. So I'm glad that I get a, a fresh start with it
0: again. That's like toothpaste <laughs> and orange juice. Man. Well, that's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> right away when you put your nose into it, what do you get?
1: You know, I don't know. Not, it's, I don't get as much fragrance as the cucumber one, cucumber jasmine. I just,
0: I don't know more tomato I
1: guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's more subtle yeah. than the cucumber.
1: Just makes more look an
0: ingredient. So. <laughs> this one reminds me of biting into like a tomato in my grandma's garden. Yeah. As a little kid just like an apple kind it, of bite It into is it. fresh.
1: It does taste like more like yeah, like you said, like a a garden vegetable instead of just a, you know,
0: Tomato from a can.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, it, to be perfectly honest, I'm not a huge fan of like the Bloody Marys and the. I like a good Caesar in the summer, but uh, yeah, it, it's not my. I'm the. I used to work at the airport, so maybe this is why. And I had to. Cl- everybody says that. Uh, Bloody Mary's taste the best at 30,000 feet altitude. Right. And that everybody loves a Caesar and a Bloody Mary on a plane. I had to clean up those garbage cans. And so I smelled old tomato juice every time I used to clean an airplane. And so I think it's turned me off of tomato juice and clam forever. (laughs) So a little bit of a PTSD when it comes to that stuff, but it it doesn't taste like the way that those airplanes smelled. I'll give I'll say that for sure.
0: I will fully admit Michelada is not for me. It's, it's not a style or anything that I've ever been drawn to. I think what they tried to do and what they tried to execute was executed well. But it's not a beer that I chase. And then it's got that little bit of heat.
1: I just got some, yeah, different different flavor that time. It was almost like, yeah, uh, maybe it's just because we're talking about gardens, but I just tasted a garden, right? Like almost like a bean or something like that, right? Like, I don't know. So fresh. Yeah. Yeah, got a little bit of the spice there that time.
0: This one, unlike the others, really splits the crowd. Yeah. People who love it, adore it. Like, hoard it, they race out, they find (laughs) out, they'll buy it by the flat. And then people who hate it are, like, ready to kick down the door and, like, throw the can at us and just be like, you're terrible people, why did you make this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see, no, I'm not that strong about it.
0: When you travel, has there any, been any brewery that you've discovered? Any favorite beer memory from your travels?
1: This is a tough question because it makes me think of all the places we can't travel to right now, and it, it breaks my heart a little bit. But uh, it's funny too. I was like, just even sitting here thinking, like, where did I travel last? It's hard to even remember the places I've been. I went to New Orleans last, and I I tried some of their local beers. Uh, I can't remember the name of one. It was really good. It was like a lager. It was really crisp. It was good. Um, the one that stands out the most, I do, I usually, my biggest trip every year is usually for March Madness. I'm a big college basketball fan, go Kansas, Rock Chuck, Jay Huck. Um, and the very first time I went to March Madness, I went to St. Louis and not a place I ever thought I would go to, like who dreams of going to St. Louis and it's like, you know, and it was an incredible experience. I love that city. It was just after like a year after the situation in Ferguson and the riots and stuff. And just seeing that city was incredible. Like there was, you know, when we first got there in the downtown, it's like, what's even open? Like the mall, their major mall was closed. Two-year renovations. Business had boarded up windows. I was like, what are we even doing here? But then the more time you spent there, the more time you just walked down side streets in downtown. It's like, oh, look at this cool pub, right? And and they would brew their own beers. And this is Budweiser country, right? I believe St. Louis is, that's where anheuser Bush is. Um, yeah, like they have, I'm pretty sure it's Budweiser is like, that's Budweiser country, but they had so many good local breweries. a place right across the street from our Airbnb, um, was similar to like pile of bones. Like they had all their own beer. Um, I remember, I think we just had a couple samplers and there's a couple I didn't like and a couple I loved, but it was just cool to try. Uh, the local beer there, especially when I'm coming in thinking, like, this is this going to be Budweiser everywhere, right? But even at the uh, at the basketball games, too. Actually, no, we, there wasn't. Uh, there was no alcohol at the basketball games. But we went to uh, Ballpark Village, which is across the street from their baseball stadium. And they had a lot of, like, local beers on tap just at this huge place where you'd expect just, you know, Coors and Budweiser and stuff like that. But, yeah, St. Louis, it was really cool just to kind of discover not only just some of their great pubs and restaurants, but but some of their local beers. It was pretty kind of blown away by it.
0: What you just said reminded me of something you said earlier, circling back to the idea of choice. You've said that now a couple times, how important choice is to you. Where does that come from? Is that is that a Saskatchewan thing? Is that a Peters having a philosophical moment?
1: I don't know. Maybe it's my mom brought me up on just like when it comes to food, like we were I'm sure I was a whiny kid who didn't want to eat certain things. But she said, try it. She was always she wouldn't be like, eat your vegetables. You got to go to, you know, you go to bed hungry. She would just say, no, you just got to try it. And just it wasn't like she wouldn't yell at me. It was just a matter of fact of try it. Give it a try. You might like it. A lot of times I wouldn't. She'd say, okay, fine. At least you tried it. Right. And that's just kind of been my motto my whole life. Like it probably does come from my mom. Um, and I think maybe coming from a bit of a humble beginnings too, like we weren't the, uh, you know, we weren't well off family at all. Uh, We struggled to pay the bills, I think at times, and, um, you appreciate what you have. So when you appreciate what you have, you are excited for variety and you're excited to try new things. Um, so I think that's probably where it comes from. Uh, my brother-in-law, he's a big, like he loves his craft beer he loves trying new stuff he always doesn't Peter you gotta try this one um yeah he he's and my sister too my sister's uh really like they were big into wine drinking and like they know their stuff so yeah.
0: is she like a super taster because you know women are better at tasting than men I believe it <laughs> I believe it um yeah I don't know how much anymore I, I know she was big into the wine
1: um like she really knew her wine and they I think they went to some like you know wine tasting events and stuff like that but uh yeah, they, uh, they're they far more eclectic than me, and so I love when they come over to mom and dad's house. Back in the day when we could have had them, everybody over at the house, but uh, yeah, I, I've tried a lot of new stuff just thanks to them.
0: For the beer lovers in your life, do you think there was anything today that might have struck a chord with them as well as you?
1: Oh, well, again, I know that my girlfriend likes loves the Michelada. She would love the Cucumber Jasmine. I think she would like all of them. I think the Cucumber Jasmine would probably... Um, Probably get the most fans in my household. Uh, my brother-in-law, I don't know. I think he might like even more, he might like the spectrum. He might like the uh, cerveza a little bit more, I think. Yeah. I don't know. He, to, he doesn't drink a lot of like, you know, fruity or like, he, he likes a good beer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like a lager, an IPA, a Pilsner, that kind of stuff. Beer, beer. Beer, beer. That's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when we roll out the lentil, we see people are like, wow, lentil's weird. And we're like, trust us. It's a beer, beer.
1: Yeah. It is. It is a good. I, I, I gotta say too. I was really when I before I tried it, because again, coming back to my girlfriend, she loves that lentil beer. She gets it all over the time or all over the place, um, whether it's rotter game or restaurant. And i when I first thought, I was like, lentil beer? That's weird. Like it tastes like drinking like beans. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, uh, I tried it. It's fantastic. It is a very good beer. Um, it's more of one that I'd be satisfied after one or two. Um, but yeah, fantastic beer. And uh, I'd say it actually opened me up more to lentils in general which are such a huge thing in this province support your local lentil farmers here in Saskatchewan because they make absolutely fantastic products and I think honestly trying that beer has made us eat more lentils recently too even though it's not the same you know what I mean but it is kind of opening your mind and and raising awareness of this local staple product lentils we ship them all over the world why don't we eat them here I think we're we're doing more of that and part of it's because we're also incorporating in beer
0: shameless plug time (laughs) Where should people check you out if they liked listening to you here? Where should they go next?
1: Well, hopefully, they like listening to me here. Hopefully, I wasn't too uh, rambling too bad. But yeah, no, um, tune in to Saskatchewan weekend. I'm going to be hosting, I'm filling in for the wonderful Shauna Powers until November. Um, You can hear it on CBC Radio 1, 102.5 FM in Regina, 94.1 FM in Saskatoon, 540 AM, or on the CBC Listen app. See, you can tell I do that a few times a day. Um, Yeah, it's on 6 to 9. I mean, Saskatchewan Weekend's a really special show. I mean, part of me, it it can be tough at times. It's a one-person show, so I mean put a little of my heart and soul into it. It's a lot of work. And so we can't necessarily cover everything that we would ideally like to, just because you only have so much time. And it is a tricky time right now because of course, just with everything going on in the world, pandemic, inequalities, racism, all that stuff, it's not really something we tackle on the weekend show. So I'm trying to incorporate it as much as I can in a way that people are used to on the weekend, because, you know, my show is Saskatchewan weekend is a lot different than the morning edition with Stephanie Langenegger, right? People want, Very hard-hitting news on the morning edition, whereas Sask Weekend, people want to be able to relax a little bit on the weekend. They want to know their neighbors a little bit better. They want to know how they can make the most of the weekend. Um, They want to know how festivals are doing now that they're canceled. They want to hear great music, and so that's all the stuff I try to bring to the show. It's uh, a little bit different than what I think some people are used to on CBC. We really want to get younger listeners I play some great music. I'm always, uh, to toot my own horn, I do play very good music, Uh, very local music. You want to talk about supporting local, we really support Saskatchewan music like nobody else does in this province other than like CJTR and CFCR in Saskatoon. Like they do a great job obviously of playing local music, but uh, we support Saskatchewan artists like nobody else. Um, And yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And I'm always open to uh, feedback. I love hearing from our listeners. we can't tell stories unless people tell us where the stories are too a lot of the time, right? I, I, I can't be everywhere, especially when I'm stuck at home all the time during this pandemic, right? Like I can only see what I find on the internet or when people reach out to me. So yeah, it's always great when we have a nice interaction with the audience. So yeah, tune in to Sask Weekend. I appreciate that. And then you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Twitter Mills CBC. My Twitter's a little over the place.
0: You have the best Twitter oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Tweeter Mills. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Somebody told me back in my days at the Carillon, you used to work at the Carillon, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Our connection. We should talk to the Carolin. Um <laughs> Yeah, somebody at the Carolan suggested that name for me, and I've had it ever since. <laughs> Love that place. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of fun memories. Yeah, very good fun
0: memories. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for drinking beer with me today. Thanks for having me. This has been great. Rebels, thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, be sure to join us on the brand new Facebook group page, the rebellion brewing podcast. I'm going to include links in the show notes so you can find more about Peter and everything he does. Although it's pretty easy to find him; he's on CBC. You know where to find it. As you know, we're proud affiliate members of the Saskatchewan podcast network. If you're looking for great shows, be sure to hop on the network and check out all the new episodes coming out produced by local folks telling local stories. As you know, the Sasscraft beer scene is always changing, and I'm going to do my best to keep featuring all the new local beers coming out. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Untapped, so you don't miss out on a single thing. Thank you for joining the rebellion.